0: It is a pleasure to be back with you. Um, the last time I was here, COVID had just hit, and now they were starting to open up the services, and there were just a handful of people here. <laughs> but uh, it is so good to see all of you, and uh, our prayers are with Steve as he recovers as well. A number of years ago, Pam and I, my wife, uh, went to uh, Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. Uh, we went to the National Park there, and we went on one of their guided tours. And the guide took us through many different things that are very sim- similar. If you've gone to Luray Caverns, you've seen probably the same scenery and the same kind of uh, configurations, uh, all, all unique to caves. And 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 it was just fascinating, but at one point, he brought us into a very enclosed or fairly large area, and he had us all sit down on benches that were there. And he said, I'm going to turn off the lights because I want you to be able to experience total darkness. And it was dark. (laughs) When he flipped that switch... Had I not been holding Pam's hand, I would not have noticed that she was there. And it was just a very, very eerie feeling not to be able to adjust, not to be able to to see or anything like that. Darkness just engulfed everybody and the guide had reminded us right at the beginning that after about two minutes, he would turn things back, turn the light back on so nobody would panic. But man, I'll tell you what, you just found yourself imagining, you know, if, if I were alone in such darkness, I wouldn't know what next step to take. I wouldn't know where to go. I wouldn't know what to do because I don't know what's there. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And the reality is, folks, that in our culture today, so many people are dealing with that kind of darkness in their lives, aren't they? COVID has affected the entire world, but it has had a farther impact than just killing people and sending them to the hospital. Just this morning, I was reading an article where, uh, that was saying that there have been mass shootings, both in Austin and Chicago and Savannah over this past weekend. And several people have died, and multiple n- numbers of people have been injured severely. And while there is personal responsibility that the culprits needs to, need to shoulder, there's also the unpleasant reality that all of this hunkering down and isolation over the past 12 months has wreaked havoc on the entire world. Recently, I was talking to Neil Wheeler from Waypoint and he shared with me that according to the Center for Disease Control, in 2019, the average number of people in the U.S. that were were struggling with anxiety and uh, depression was around between 11 and 16%. But post-COVID, that number has skyrocketed to 46%. There seems to be an increase in suicides. And some people here may be struggling with depression, even though you came in with a smile. And others of you may think, you know, I understand. I've struggled with thoughts like that too. And still others deal with other emotions like deep bitterness. And anger over the past that has just come boiling up over through, the, through this isolation. And it spills over into everything that you say and do. And the darkness can actually get too dark if there is no light, if there is no hope. And still, others are overwhelmed with physical darkness, the diagnosis of disease, limitations to life. The reality that there is nothing else to look forward to except deterioration or struggle. Several years ago, my mom, who died in 2006, was visiting with a neurologist and she heard him say, and I was sitting in that uh, office with her, she heard him say the word Alzheimer's as she was dealing with cognitive dementia. And she snapped her head up and looked at him and then lowered her head and she never opened her eyes again, and within weeks, she was dead. Some are gripped by relational darkness. Maybe it's from wondering if you'll ever have the companionship that you've prayed for, or maybe there's a grief or loss that comes from divorce or death. It could be the cave of abuse that you've dealt with, and you don't see a way out. Maybe you're surrounded by people But deep down, you are so lonely and feel so isolated and trapped. And then there are those of us who are trapped in sin that we can't seem to overcome. We've tried, but everything seems to be a dead end. We just can't seem to overcome it. We wonder if there is any light at the end of the long, dark tunnel. And maybe we've been vexed by injustice around us or political polarization that that uses people to advance one agenda or another. Whether it be homelessness or human trafficking or children being abused. And the list could go on and on and on and on. And many people will go around saying that the world is getting better, we're getting more advanced. But the reality is when we look at things and we see the relationships and we see people that we know and we see what's happening around us. It's getting darker, isn't it, sometimes? And there seems to be little hope in it. Craig Rochelle has written a book entitled Hope in the Dark, Believing God is Good When Life is Not. And if you have never read that, I want to highly recommend it to you because it it, it really talks about some key things that we struggle with. It talks about doubt. It talks about struggle. It talks about questions that we have for God. But we don't want to ask because we're afraid that we might appear disrespectful somehow of him or that we might dishonor him in some way. But the struggle, let's be honest, is real. Sometimes darkness does engulf us. Whatever your darkness may be, it can be intense. Maybe you've prayed. Maybe you've pleaded for relief. Maybe you've pleaded for answers and for help. And you look up and you ask, God, are you really there? God, do you really care at all? And maybe you're here and you're asking that question. There's a prophet in the Old Testament that asks that that same question. And the same kind of questions that we ask. His name is Habakkuk. Now you hear that name pronounced and it sounds like someone spit up a big giant fur ball, didn't it? (laughs) But uh, he's a real person. And Habakkuk wrote a book in the Old Testament by his name that is known as part of the minor prophets. Now, those prophets weren't less important than the other prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. It's just that their books are simply smaller. They, 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 they don't encompass as many chapters or as many words as the others do. And the major prophets and the minor prophets... All were interchangeable. They, they, were, they were contemporaries of one another. And Habakkuk is only three chapters long. And he prophesied and served around the same time as many of the other prophets, as the people of Judah were being told of impending judgment from God through the Babylonian Empire. His book is just a little bit different from the others. It records a conversation between him and God. As a matter of fact, some think that Habakkuk may have actually been a priest because right at the end of the book, he provides instructions for the worship minister of the temple to put his words to music. Now, wouldn't that have been interesting? Had I sent the message over and say, okay, y'all, put it to music. Maybe it would have made things a little bit more lively. I don't know, uh, or maybe you could put it into a lullaby and put people to sleep a little bit quicker. You know, so, whichever you can have fun with that. You know, I'm just kidding around when I say that. But Habakkuk asks some probing questions in chapter one, verse two. He says, "How long, Lord, must I call for for help and you do not listen?" Or cry out violence, but you do not save. You see, some bad things were happening in the land. People were being treated unfairly, but most were not following God at all. They were just going about their own business and ignoring God completely. And Habakkuk cried out, God, why aren't you listening? Are you really there? Do you really care at all? Why aren't you being fair? Throughout that book, Habakkuk is raw. He's real. Doesn't show any pretense or anything like that. He's painfully honest with God. It's interesting that the name Habakkuk means to embrace. But another definition of that name is also to wrestle. And it seems like this prophet is embracing what he knows about God while wrestling with God over the things that he is having a hard time understanding and that don't seem to make sense to him. Eleven years ago, Amy completed her coursework at Mary Baldwin College and was ready to graduate with a teaching degree. She'd worked hard to accomplish that goal. And she happened to live with Pam and myself for over three years. She became like a daughter to us. And uh, we were thrilled to have her in our home. But over Christmas vacation, while we were back in the Midwest visiting with family and on our way back to our house, we got a call from a police officer who informed us that Amy had taken her own life in our home. Now, many of you may have faced devastating events just like that, that have left you wondering, that have left you questioning, that have left you... Struggling and yet at the same time embracing everything about God that you have, that you know, with everything that you have. Pounding his chest while he holds you close, while at the same time wrestling with those unanswered questions. God, if you're so powerful, why didn't you stop this? If you're all knowing, why didn't you help us know and prevent this? why, why, why? And the reality is that sometimes we find ourselves, I just noticed that as we walked in, one of the questions that we were asked to do, and I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't come up with one right away, uh, write down your favorite movie on your, on your name tag. Uh, Pam put down Braveheart, and that's one of our favorites. Uh, Chariots of Fire, some of the others. But a lot of times when it comes to our lives, we're conditioned by TV and media to somehow be able to come up with some kind of uh, resolution within two hours or less. You know what I mean? That, that somehow everything will work out all right in a very, very short period of time. But in real life, things are different, aren't they? Can I get an amen on that? Things are different. We face that. And they're not resolved in an hour or in a month or in a year or at times even in a lifetime. Sometimes people lose jobs and can't get another one. Either because they're all overqualified or not too old or not too or too old or not too old enough. Sometimes people go through struggles and feel like failures. Sometimes marriages fall apart. Sometimes a devastating illness crashes into our lives, and well-meaning people will come up and say things like, Oh, just trust the Lord. God's in control. Just have faith. Let go and let God. And even though we may believe those things down deep, sometimes we want to slap people for saying that. And it's primarily because the timing's off, okay? The truth is we're wrestling with the reality that God could do something. But he hasn't. And so in verse 3, Habakkuk says of chapter 1, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. God, do you really care what's happening to me and around me? You see, the people in the Old Testament asked those same questions that we ask today. A number of years ago, um, while I was preaching at Mechanicsville, uh, we went through a, a sermon series called The Story. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but it's a 26-week study of the, old, of, of the entire overview of the entire Bible. It's a great, great, great thing. I saw some of you nod your heads, and, and it was, it's, it's, really, it's really a fun thing. But one of the things that I found very interesting was that as I was going through the prophets of the Old Testament and preaching through that, I found people say, man, I'll be so glad when we get to the New Testament because I'm so tired of all the doom and gloom. All the judgment and the destruction. And yet, if you take time to look at the Old Testament prophets, including Habakkuk, you find that the gloom and doom is followed immediately with hope and victory that radiates from the heart of God and is pivotal pivotal for people to be able to keep on. It's in the prophets... That we hear so much about the coming of Jesus. It's in the prophets that we hear about the salvation that God is preparing for everybody and that we're able to enjoy today because of his relentless love for us. It's in the prophets that we learn about that love even when we rebel. It's in the darkness of everyday life and in the backdrop of horrific events that hope shines brightly. Because God is. He is alive. And all our lives he has been faithful. It's in the darkness of everyday life that we still ask God why. We ask if he cares about what's happening to us and around us just like the people of the Old Testament did. And C.S. Lewis said it so well. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I might add to that, it is his means for us to see him as our only hope. Now, let's be honest though. Some of us are conflict avoidance, aren't we? We don't like to deal with stuff like this. It makes us uncomfortable, it makes us squirm a little bit. And sometimes people go so far as to actually deny those kind of questions and pretend that they're not there. But we need to face reality, folks. Sometimes life does get messy. Sometimes it's unfair. Sometimes it's horrible. And pretending otherwise is a farce. But there are others who take it to another extreme. Because something has happened, they decide that they just get angry at God and walk away from him. And maybe, maybe you're in this room, but you're ready to do that right now. You're ready to ditch God, you're ready to ditch church and maybe everything related to him because you're hurting so badly and God appears to be silent. Could I offer another option? And I think this is the option that God is offering us. Don't ignore reality. Don't walk away from it. Instead, lean into God and embrace what you know to be true about Him and wrestle with Him in your prayer, in your study, in your interactions with other trusted Christians, even even in your praise, like we just did just a moment ago. Admit that you have a hard time understanding your circumstances. Craig Rochelle says, God understands your pain. He welcomes your questions. He would rather have you yell at him than walk away from him. Let your doubts drive you to continue to embrace even when you wrestle with God. Last week, Pam and I worshiped at another church. And they sang the song that we just sang a few moments ago. And it spoke so deeply to our hearts. So much so that while you were playing the intro to, to the goodness of God, uh, my eyes just welled up with tears. Just because of God's timing on things. And that chorus speaks so much to what we're trying to wrestle with here. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And folks, I'm here to tell you that he is faithful even in the darkest of times. 2 Timothy 2.2 says that he, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Kim and I live in a neighborhood in Richmond that is just very conducive to walking, and we love to to cover the area. It's uh, very friendly, very neighborly and everything, and uh, we just love to take good jaunts around. And during those times, it offers us the opportunity to talk, to dream, to pray, to struggle, to ask questions. And there are times when we find ourselves just having discussions as we wrestle with recent experiences that we've gone through. And I realize that they're relatively minor compared to what so many people end up going through in their lives. But there are also those moments when God seems to be taking a shovel and digging deeper into our lives. And the reason he wants to do that is that he wants to deepen his root system in us. Now, when God digs, that's not pleasant. But Romans chapter 8, verse 28 reminds us that it's for the good of those he loves. And are called according to his purpose. And that includes you. That includes me. That includes anyone and everyone. Because God stands ready to offer hope to everyone. I think that sometimes it becomes very easy to focus on one specific passage or two of the Bible and kind of make those... and, and I have nothing nothing against us having life verses or anything, but sometimes we end up thinking that that 's all there is to it that 's all that we want to focus on, and we easily overlook the overarching message of the Bible, though not through not just our favorite verses but through all of scripture, God has a story that he is weaving, one of healing, one of redemption, of restoration. And he's weaving it together and he's using your story and my story and your story and your story to make it a reality. Just as he used the people in the Old Testament and the New Testament. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We don't grow when we're sailing smoothly through life. We grow when we embrace and we wrestle with God through life. And while God is not necessarily responsible for causing a lot of stuff that happens to us, he may allow it to help us to grow closer to him. So here's what I ask. What if acknowledging your doubts is your first step toward building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the door to a growing knowledge of God? What if drawing closer to God requires that you bear something that you feel is unbearable? What if it takes real pain to experience deep abiding and restoring and bright hope? There's a pretty popular statement that I've heard multiple times from people uh, within, within the, the community of faith who has said, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Because the reality is, I've had more dumped on me than I can handle. And thankfully, those things have brought me to my knees and said, God, I need you. And it's in those moments of desperation, it's in those moments of need that God You see, God is never mean, but He's purposeful. And He always works to draw us all closer to Himself. Maybe it's a relational or a physical or an emotional issue, but for every single one of us, bottom line, we deal with sin issues. Sin is not something that we can resolve on our own, it's overwhelming and it can only be overtaken and removed by God himself. And he made a way for that through the death of his only son on the cross. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus are his stamp of saying, I've got it when it comes to your sin. I can take care of it. I can give you hope in a hopeless situation. And we are saved for a life that matters now, but also for eternity. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how much you hurt, or how bad your life has been. The Bible teaches that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And your life matters and has purpose now, regardless of what you're going through. And somehow, God is able through his spirit to give meaning and purpose to your story as he continues to write his. And so we call on Jesus. And that's our response to what he's done for us. And our calling to, on him includes choosing to believe that he is the one, only one sent from God and God's only son. It also means that we choose to repent, to turn away from a life that has been in rebellion to Him, both in big and in small ways. It involves confessing Him as Savior and ruler of our lives. And it calls for us to be baptized into Him, allowing for Him to cleanse us and to clothe us with the presence of His Spirit so that we can no longer be shattered, but instead we are beautiful, restored vessels. Through whom his glory and his show, hope shines. So, my question is is God really there? Is he really there in the hurt and in the pain, in the struggle? Absolutely. We simply need to call out to him. We simply need to cry out to him. We need to lean into him. He will come running. And just like the guide who flipped the switch on, he is the hope in the dark. Father, we come to you right now thanking you for all that you are. Thank you that you are the living hope. Jesus, thank you for all that you have done and we celebrate you, we worship you, and we ask that you would help us as you dig your roots deeper into us. May we be reflections of your hope. May we be reflections in the darkness of this world and show your light to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.